Uh, this evening we will be continuing our meditation and our praying of the book of Sirach, one of the most uh, fruitful books in the Bible when it comes to practical bits of advice about how to live. As we live our lives, we face so many challenges, uh, what to do, how to live, how to relate especially to one another, how to deal with the struggles of life especially when they come upon us in our fragility and in our weakness, how to deal with the challenges of life when we ourselves are so filled with our own egos that we can very often miss the many splendored presence of God. And so many things can flow from that. And so the book of Sirach is Ecclesiasticus, Liber Ecclesiasticus, the church book. The first part of this speaks to us about mothers and fathers. This speaks to us about how we must honor our parents and how we must try to be very patient with one another and not let the strength of our current time in life uh, make us blind to what we owe to those who have grown to be more frail. This is especially true, I think, in our own days when old people are sometimes uh, not really given the kind of honor and respect they are given in some societies. I remember hearing once that warriors go quickly by horse, this is ancient times, but civilization travels on foot because it is only on foot that the children and the old people can slowly move along and they are both essential for a true and full life. So it's about that. It also talks about being uh, not so caught up in our own selves and trying to master everything, to get our minds to grip these great things of life. And so the second portion of this evening's reading deals with humility. We must be grounded. We can use our minds but not get puffed up by them. Our minds are sort of like the branches of a tree. They're up in the air and they must be there. That's where we can see long distances. But they've got to be rooted in the ground. We've got to be humus, humility. That's what humility means, rooted on the ground. And the final section talks about basically helping people in need. It says that uh, generosity to others is uh, powerful like uh, water that puts out a great flame. It is something that helps us and it is uh, what we are called to do in our daily life. So now let us enter into prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. Enkindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created. You shall renew the face of the earth. Let us let go of all those sins and evil distractions that block the pathway to our hearts. May the Lord enter into our hearts so that we may be attentive to him. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy in me, a sinner. Away with all those vain thoughts that distract us, that occupy us, that clutter up our minds and gnaw away at us. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, that our hearts are restless till they rest in you. May our hearts be at peace, resting in the Lord. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening.
Listen to me, your father, O children, and act accordingly, that you may be kept in safety. For the Lord honored the father above the children, and he confirmed the right of the mother over her sons. Whoever honors his father atones for sins and preserves himself from them. When he prays, he is heard, and whoever glorifies his mother is like one who lays up treasure. Whoever honors his father will be gladdened by his own children, and when he prays, he will be heard. Whoever glorifies his father will have a long life, and whoever obeys the Lord will refresh his mother. He will serve his parents as his masters. Honor your father by word and deed, that a blessing from him may come upon you. For a father's blessing strengthens the houses of the children, but a mother's curse uproots their foundations. Do not glorify yourself by dishonoring your father, for your father's dishonor is no glory to you. For a man's glory comes from honoring his father, and it is a disgrace for children not to respect their mother. O son, help your father in his old age. Do not grieve him as long as he lives. Even if he is lacking in understanding, show forbearance. Do not despise him all the days of his life. For kindness to a father will not be forgotten, and against your sins it will be credited to you, a house raised in justice to you. In the day of your affliction, it will be remembered in your favor. As frost and fair weather, your sins will melt away. Whoever forsakes his father is like a blasphemer, and whoever angers his mother is cursed by the Lord. My son, perform your tasks in meekness, and then you will be loved more than a giver of gifts. The greater you are, the more you must humble yourself, so you will find favor with God. There are many who are noble and renowned, but it is to the humble that he reveals his mysteries. For great is the might of the Lord, he is glorified by the humble. Seek not what is too difficult for you, nor investigate what is beyond your power. Reflect upon what has been assigned to you, and do not be curious about many of his works, for you do not need to see with your eyes what is hidden. Do not meddle in what is beyond your tasks, for matters too great for human understanding have been shown you. For their hasty judgment has led many astray, and wrong opinion has caused their thoughts to slip. A stubborn mind will be afflicted at the end, and whoever loves danger will perish by it. A stubborn mind will be burdened by troubles, and the sinner will heap sin upon sin. The affliction of the proud has no healing, for a plant of wickedness has taken root in them, though it will not be perceived. The mind of the wise man will ponder the words of the wise, and an attentive ear is the wise man's desire. Water extinguishes a blazing fire, so almsgiving atones for sin. Whoever repays favors gives thought to the future. At the moment of his falling, he will find support.
For a man's glory comes from honoring his father, and it is a disgrace for children not to respect their mother. This, of course, is one of the commandments. We are to honor our mother and our father. We are to honor our elders. For a man's glory comes from honoring his father, and it is a disgrace for children not to respect their mother. There's a wonderful line at the baptism of a child where the, said to the parents, be the first teachers of your children in the ways of faith. And so it is. We need to reflect upon what we have received from our parents, to reflect upon that with gratitude, and to look upon the way in which they have given us the greatest gift of all, the gift of our very existence. For mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, are in fact co-creators with God of their children. This is an awesome vocation something sacred and holy. And so we need to honor our mother and father. It is a man's glory comes from honoring his father. It is a disgrace for children not to respect their mother. But sometimes, of course, within the life of the, the human condition, there are all kinds of tensions that can develop between children and their parents, or between children and children. Sibling rivalry is not unknown. In fact, we barely get out of the beginning of the Bible when we have Adam and Eve and then Cain and Abel and Cain and Abel start fighting one another and uh, well Cain kills Abel because he cannot abide the goodness of his brother and so he kills him. So this kind of conflict is, is, is part of our, our human condition after the fall is something we, we struggle with. And we can always, as we're growing older, as uh, the years go by, it's often said that, you know, children really trust their mothers and fathers, but teenagers sometimes uh, begin to spread their wings and fly out of the nest. They, they realize after about 10 years, when they're 20 or 30, how much their parents have learned over those 10 years. As they come to appreciate their, their wisdom. Our parents are the ones who, are, who feed us when we're babies. They feed us with life. They give it to us in the first place. And they also feed us with their wisdom and their training in the ways of life. And that, of course, puts a responsibility upon children at every stage of life. And obviously, this passage is not so much about parents and little children. It's about parents and older adult children. You know, they give us everything. And uh, we need to appreciate that, honor that. It is one of the most fundamental, it is the most fundamental relationship that we have as we grow in age. And so let us pray that each one of us will reflect upon that, whether our parents are still living or whether they have died. And as we all get older, our, our parents have died. Uh, we pray for them. We thank God for them. We thank God for what he has taught us through them. And I think as each one of us grows older, we see in our siblings, in our parents, and in our neighbors, our friends, we see that they are not perfect. They have flaws. Indeed, they see those in us. We need to look in the mirror and see those flaws. You know, help me to see how others see me. And we often have a hard time doing that. That's dealt with a bit later here when we talk about pride. But so we're all pretty frail. 
And uh, we need to have, cut everyone a lot of slack because we're all pretty frail. And uh, parents need to do this when they see the folly of their little children making mistakes. And children, we need to do that too as we see the, the weaknesses of our own parents. And all together, conscious of our frailty, we thank God for the gift of our parents. And we pray that we may pray for them and be truly grateful for them. O son, help your father in his old age, and do not grieve him as long as he lives. Even if he is lacking in understanding, show forbearance, and do not despise him all the days of his life. For kindness to a father will not be forgotten, and against your sins it will be credited to you, a house raised in justice to you. In the day of your affliction, it will be remembered in your favor. As frost and fair weather, your sins will melt away. Whoever forsakes his father is like a blasphemer. Whoever angers his mother is cursed by the Lord. O son, help your father in his old age. And do not grieve him as long as he lives. For even if he is lacking in understanding, show forbearance. And do not despise him all the days of his life. It is a reality of the human condition that as we grow older, we can become very frail. Physically, mentally, it can happen and it varies from person to person, circumstance to circumstance. And who we are and why we value one another does not depend on our ability to perform, to meet the mark of some supposed standard. That's a dangerous thought. A society that glorifies the strength of youth is on a short path to destruction. We thank God for the gift of youth. We always thank God for that. But it is not strength alone in which wisdom is found. We need to be a society which honors people for who they are, not for what they can still do. O son, help your father in his old age and do not grieve him as long as he lives. Even if he is lacking in understanding, show forbearance and do not despise him all the days of his life. This is true of our actual mothers and fathers, but it's true, I think, too, of our elders. As people grow older, and as each one of us grows older, we may think about this ourselves more and more, um, you know, we begin to lose the, the bloom of youth, long gone. And uh, we kind of stumble along with one thing going after another. And of course, Shakespeare has a beautiful thing. I wish I could had memorized, you know, the, the seven ages of man. We start with childhood, then strong youth, and then you know, the prosperity of middle age, and then we begin to slip and everything goes, what is, sans teeth, sans something, sans everything, pretty soon there's not much, not too much left physically. And that's the way it is. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's, I think there's a lot of, I guess the cosmetic industry survives on people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s trying to think they're 17, and it, it doesn't work. <laughs> there's no way of turning back the clock. 
So I think we all need to expect that um, gradually the old body begins to fall apart. Uh, it has a best before date and there we are. It's, it's kind of slowly <laughs> beginning to fall apart. And that happens too as well for the mind. It can happen, of course, earlier in life. Uh, but it can certainly, it can happen more often, but not always as people get older. And so do not grieve your father as long as he lives, right to the very end of life. Even if he is lacking in understanding, show forbearance and do not despise him all the days of his life. When someone is frail, especially if it is an older person, we need to honor that person and give thanks to God for that person. Even if it is a younger person who is frail, of whatever type may seem to be, of mind or body, we need to honor that person, treat each person with reverence, to reach, to understand that each one of us is a who, not just a what. We're not just a machine that eventually breaks down, a computer that begins to start dropping information, but we are people who are children of God all of our life. There's a great poem I remember reading. I can't, I can't quote it now, but I remember seeing it in a, in a nursing home for older people who were getting more difficult, to, difficult for them to live. They were not what they were when they were young. And uh, the poem, basically the theme of it was, as you see me, remember I was once as you are. I once was strong and vigorous, and that's still who I am inside of me. But gradually the body has begun to fall apart and I'm losing the vigor that I had when I was young. But I am still who I always was and I will always be that. Each one of us needs to be treated with reverence. I think that is especially true in our own age. This, these passages of Sirach should be shouted from the rooftop, especially in our legislatures, in our judiciaries, in our colleges of physicians and surgeons, in all of the various places where power resides among those who are middle-aged to reflect upon the fact that each life is worth living. The dignity of our life does not depend upon our ability to perform, to hit the mark, to be up to what we once were in achieving and accomplishing things. The dignity of life depends on who we are, the fact that each one of us is a child of God. And so we need always to show reverence, and if we do not, if we are what our Holy Father, Pope Francis, calls a kind of a throwaway society, this um, computer doesn't work the way it used to, so just ditch it and get another one. That kind of thing, we can't do that with people. That's evil. That's what it is. It's evil. It's not good. It's not good for society. It's, it's deadly. We don't simply do that. And I think that's true of other people, but it should also be true of ourselves. Because sometimes, you know, when people, and even when they're tempted to put an end to their life, as it's now so very easy to do in our misbegotten country, put an end to their life maybe because they figure I'm not up to what I used to do. You know, I used to be able to do 10 different things. Can't do it anymore, barely do one of them. So what's the point of life if I can't accomplish, achieve, succeed? What's the point anymore? What's the use of it all? 
And I think our mission in life should be to help people realize the point of it all is to love and be loved, to treat each person with dignity. It does not depend on whether we are able to accomplish. Even if your father is lacking in understanding, show forbearance and do not despise him all the days of our life. So for other people, as we look around, and for ourselves too, as we ourselves grow older and lose our capacity to do what we used to be able to do, we do not lose our capacity to be who we are. Doing is not as important as being. And what I am in the sight of God, that I am indeed, no more, no less. That lesson we need to learn. Oh son, help your father in his old age. Do not grieve him as long as he lives. Even if he is lacking in understanding, show forbearance. Do not despise him all the days of his life. For kindness to a father will not be forgotten, and against your sins it will be credited to you, a house raised in justice to you. In the day of your affliction, it will be remembered in your favor. As frost and fair weather, your sins will melt away. Whoever forsakes his father is like a blasphemer, and whoever angers his mother is cursed by the Lord. Her kindness to a father will not be forgotten by others, by the Father, by the Heavenly Father. And against your sins it will be credited to you, a house raised in justice to you. This is deep, deep, deep. This is so very important. The way we treat others, and here it speaks of our elders, specifically our parents, but it is others as well. Also children, the way we treat others going the other direction in age. This is profound. It is what we need to think. It won't be forgotten. And it, he connects it in. It, against your sins, it will be credited to you. When we think of our many sins, each one of us, oh my, reflect upon how frail we are, how full of ego, how very, very vain, and so very full of many, many sins. We say, thank you, Lord, for forgiving us. And we struggle with them day by day and we ask the Lord's mercy. But when we show mercy to another and compassion and understanding, then it will be credited to us. It, it is a way of you know, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are the ways in which we, one of the, are, are some of the ways in which our sins are forgiven. But it is especially in kindness to others when they are vulnerable, when they're in need. In the day of your affliction, it will be remembered in your favor. Remember, you know, there's one line where some of us are getting older. They always say, you know, it's uh, uh, getting old is not so bad when you consider the alternative. There we are. So in today of your affliction, it will be remembered in your favor. We all are afflicted. And, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We need to think about that because we're all pretty frail. And this is such a beautiful vision and image. As frost in fair weather, your sins will melt away. If we are living with that generous spirit of thanksgiving to God and of reverence for everybody we meet, and especially in particular if 
they begin to get more frail, they're not able to do what they used to do, and particularly, especially our parents, if in that case is the example of that, but it means everybody too. If we can do that, then as frost in fair weather, your sins will melt away. This is the only general absolution I would more or less approve of as being recommended because it's, it means the, it, it's, that, it's so true, it's so very true. But then he comes in with a clincher. Whoever forsakes his father is like a blasphemer. It's like blaspheming God because our father, our mother, our brother, our sister, our neighbor, our children, everyone, they are children of God. They're a gift of God. And to treat another person with disdain or contempt, to mockery or, you know, just dismissing them is to do so to a gift of God. It is to blaspheme against God. How can I love the God I do not see if I do not love my neighbor who I do see? This is what St. John says in one of his letters. And this is what Sirach is saying. Whoever forsakes his father is like a blasphemer. And whoever angers his mother is cursed by the Lord. That's pretty clear. My son, perform your tasks in meekness and then you will be loved more than a giver of gifts. The greater you are, the more you must humble yourself. You will find favor with God. There are many who are noble and renowned, but it is to the humble that he reveals his mysteries. For great is the might of the Lord. He is glorified by the humble. Humility. If we're in touch with the earth, we have less distance to fall and we stumble around a lot so often. I find it kind of hard to get up these steps when I got all those robes on. So we stumble in life an awful lot too. My son, perform your tasks in meekness. When we're meek, not pushing ourselves forward, not strident, oh, but just meek and humble of heart, just grounded. Perform your tasks in meekness. Then you will be loved more than a giver of gifts. I think that's true. I think we all see people who are, you know, a good, a good person, a, a nice person, someone who's just down to earth, not throwing themselves around. That's, you will be loved if we do that. And so often each one of us can be so caught up in our own inner ego that we, we kind of bull our way through, through life, bullying along. And you'll be loved more than a giver of gifts. You know, you can't buy love, you can't buy affection. <laughs> the person, we love a person who's just a good person, a kind and loving, compassionate person. You'll be loved more, you can't buy that. Giver of gifts just buys nothing really. What really causes love is a person is lovable. And we're all lovable. God made me and he doesn't make trash. We gotta always remember that, each one of us. Might be a good thing to say in front of the mirror every day. Also, we might say, oh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, to counteract the other tendency, which is to be, to be proud. My son, perform your tasks in meekness. Then you'll be loved more than a giver of gifts. The greater you are, the more you must humble yourself. You will find favor with God.
Yeah, whatever our position in life is, and we all have different positions of you know, authority or influence or responsibility, um, what is that thing that uh, in Kipling is great poem, uh, if? To walk with kings and not lose the common touch. Uh, all of us are basically just pretty down to earth, you know? Each one of us needs to say, the greater you are, the more you must humble yourself. Because there are all kinds of little things in life that can kind of pump us up, and they're all going to be gone. That's why, um, that's why I think one of my great heroes, St. John Fisher, who was a very holy man, he was the only bishop who stood up to Henry VIII. Uh, now, he sort of reminded himself, he was the head of the diocese, and he was a, the head of Cambridge University, and was a great scholar, and all kinds of things like that, and earthly prominence a major figure in the, the kind of the country. But he kept a skull on his desk. I don't know if it was a real skull, it probably was, a skull on his desk, as a reminder that life is short and all our vain pomp will melt away. When really, um, life is short, eternity is long. Think about it. That's why he had the, the famous uh, serenity of heart that allowed him on the day of his execution by Henry VIII, when he was awakened at five o'clock and told he would be beheaded that morning, he said, when is that? 10 o'clock, what time is it now? Five o'clock, well, can I give me a couple more hours sleep? I feel a little tired. So he rolled over and went back to sleep. Now that takes the serenity of heart. <laughs> so the greater you are, the more you must humble yourself so you will find favor with God. There are many who are noble and renowned, but it is to the humble that he reveals, he reveals his mysteries. The stuff we can grab on our own through our own talents, and of course that's the stuff that fades away as the years go by. The noble, the renowned, the power to do things begins to drop off as the body falls apart, and the mind as well. So that's all very good, but it is to the humble that he reveals his mysteries. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, is what it says throughout the wisdom literature, especially the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord doesn't mean seeing God as a horrible ogre. It is rather a sense of what it says in the confirmation rite, you know, uh, what is it? Um, wonder and awe in his presence. That we are simply humble, we are simply Ordinary servants in the vineyard of the Lord. That's like what the great and humble Pope Benedict said when he began his ministry as pontiff. I am simply a laborer in the vineyard of the Lord. And that's why very wisely the greatest title of the popes is servant of the servants of God. All the rest is commentary. That's the one that counts. For great is the might of the Lord. He is glorified by the humble. All the rest is vanity. That's why there's a great thing in the Middle Ages, a lot of wisdom in the Middle Ages, a huge amount, which we've kind of lost as we get cluttered up with the glittering technology. But that image of the dance of death, you know, death is a, a good reminder of life. And king and pope and prince and peasant and man and woman and child and all arm in arm dance to the dance of death. We're all the same, <laughs> you know, six feet under, there are no distinctions. And that's good to remember it now before it's too late, while we still need the lesson. 
For great is the mighty of the Lord. He is glorified by the humble. Seek not what is too difficult for you, nor investigate what is beyond your power. Now this is, this is where, you know, he was worried by the Greeks who were all thinking they're discovering the meaning of the universe. So we gotta have a, the more we use intellectual power, the more we have to be rooted on the, in the earth. On the other hand, it's good to use intellectual power. That's another thing. So the two have to balance. Just like wisdom literature, has these tensions. Like, it is wise to say, look before you leap. And it's also wise to say, he who hesitates is lost. Now, which is correct? They kind of contradict one another, but really they, it's tension. So what we need to, we need to seek, to understand, but if we do so in a way that we're mastering things which we cannot really master, we will find that it is frustrating and also it is futile. It is the work of a fool to do that. And folly is something we need to be attentive to. So seek not what is too difficult for you or investigate what is beyond your power. We don't control every tree in the garden, not everyone, almost, almost everything, a lot. But there's always something beyond our power Reflect upon what has been assigned to you and do not be curious about many of his works, for you do not need to see with your eyes what is hidden. There are things in life we just can't grasp and master. But those things, especially the things of faith, faith is where we rely upon the testimony of another. That's the key to that. And so as we do so, we reflect upon the way we fly to God on the two wings of faith and reason. And we can't disdain either one of them. And the two of them are related. Faith is reasonable, but it is not, reason does not grasp and master the things we must rely upon, the testimony of another to reveal to us. Do not meddle in what is beyond your tasks for matters too great for human understanding have been shown you for the hasty judgment their hasty judgment has led many astray and wrong opinion has caused their thoughts to slip. Slipping along, <laughs> wrong opinion, that kind of vanity which destroys the ability even to think. There's a wonderful prayer, which I wish I had memorized, but I don't have it in front of me, but it's, it's a prayer by Thomas Aquinas, who was one of the smartest men who ever, ever lived. He was just astonishing in his brilliance. And he would be, you know, he'd have three or four scribes there and he'd be dictating different books to each one of them, going around in a circle simultaneously. Boom, 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 do all these astonishing things. But he wrote a beautiful prayer for students. And one of the lines in it is, um, take away from me, O Lord, the double darkness of sin and ignorance. Sin and ignorance are a double darkness. And, and so it is. If we are even going to use the great mind the Lord gave us, then we need to do it because that's the great gift God gave us to see, to understand, to seek, to find, to understand. Those are good things. But we must be aware that there's a limit to that. And also we need to realize one of the greatest impediments to that is not lack of intelligence, but ego and our own sinfulness. It fogs the window of the soul and the mind as well 
when we're caught up in pride, anger, envy, greed, laziness, lust, and gluttony. They do that. A stubborn mind will be afflicted at the end, and whoever loves danger will perish by it. A stubborn mind will be burdened by troubles, and the sinner will heap sin upon sin. The affliction of the proud has no healing, for a plant of wickedness has taken root in them, though it will not be perceived. The mind of the wise man will ponder the words of the wise, and an attentive ear is the wise man's desire. So it is, stubborn, you know, pride, the most difficult thing, because we can all become very opinionated. Uh, at least I thought, I think other people are. I've noticed that in others, they become opinionated. No, we all are, <laughs> you know, we always, some people are far too far to the right or too far to the left. I always remind the old Texas proverb, the only thing in the middle of the road is a yellow line and a dead armadillo, but that's uh, not found in one of the scriptures. But a stubborn mind will be afflicted at the end. Yeah, we can get so caught up in our own ways. We just have to have humility and thank the Lord. There are plenty of experiences in our life which will humble us. You know, when we get all puffed up, there's always something that will prick the balloon, you know, and just bring us down to earth. God richly provides us with those opportunities to fall flat in our face. Maybe especially when we're a little too full of ourselves. And um, but that's a good thing. It's just the famous line when uh, Winston Churchill just won the war and he was flying high and you know, ta-da. And then he had this election and he lost the election. And uh, he was down in the dumps. It's a very human thing to be and, you know, in that circumstance. And his wife Clementine said, oh Winston, it's a blessing in disguise. And he said, it is very thoroughly disguised. Well, it's so true, you know, there we are. We're all pretty frail. So God gives us these little things to boop, prick the balloon of our, our vanity, and we need it, and it's just sometimes hard to recognize it, at least at first. We hope that it uh, takes a little, well, I remember, what was it? I think it was Ignatius Loyola, I think it was him who said, uh, if the Pope shut down my religious order, the Jesuits, I would pray, I'd go in and pray before the Blessed Sacrament. I think it would take me about 15 minutes to get reconciled to it. I don't know. <laughs> I think it would take more than that, but, you know, maybe, maybe he did. So a stubborn mind will be burdened. The sinner will heap sin upon sin. The affliction of the proud has no healing. This is a hard thing because the, the difficulty with pride is it leads us into the wrong place and then we can't, pride stops it from being healed because the healing of pride is humility, to recognize our weakness and need for God and for other people. There's a great book, which the title of it is, by a great philosopher, Dependent Rational Animals. We're animals, very much so. We're rational, we hope, much of the time at least, until our mind begins to get foggy, but we're dependent. We always live in relationship. So pride is living in the ego. And that's something that I think all of us face the, the, probably the least dangerous form of pride is vanity. It's just superficial pride. Probably the most dangerous is spiritual pride or intellectual pride, where the ego takes over even if it's masked by other things. The affliction of the proud has no healing. 
God's grace alone. And usually the disasters that, that God spreads before us to help bring us down are the, the little stumbles, the banana peels dro God drops in front of us help us to be cured of our pride. The affliction of the proud has no healing, for a plant of wickedness has taken root in them, sort of right in there, though it will not be perceived. Now, isn't that something? When in our pride, we have a plant of wickedness has taken root in us, but we don't see it. That's another reason why pride is a problem. We don't see it. We usually we can see it in other people, but we don't see it in ourselves. That's why it's a very good idea to get to confession regularly. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Good opening line. Every day, in fact, it would be good to ask the Lord's forgiveness. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And give thanks to the Lord God for the banana peels he drops in front of us to help cure us in the only way we can probably of at least a little bit. There's no healing in itself, but the disasters and little setbacks we face in life can help puncture our pride, and that's a grace. The mind of the wise man will ponder the words of the wise, and an attentive ear is the wise man's desire. The wise man, this isn't mastering, grasping, controlling with our mind. This is the mind, it's the mind, it's intellectual, the mind of the wise man will ponder the words of the wise. Like, I recommend, read the book of Sirach, we need to do this. And an attentive ear is the wise man's desire. An attentive ear, be attentive. Wisdom, be attentive. You know, the Lord gave us one mouth and two ears. There's a certain perspective in that. But so often we talk and do not think and do not listen. The way to be a great conversationalist is to listen to some of the other person. And they'll say, what a brilliant speaker that person is. We listen, listen. We learn a lot that way. An attentive ear is the wise man's desire. It's like Solomon when he was a teenager. He said, oh Lord, give me a compassionate listening heart, which would be the same as a listening ear, that I may be attentive. And then finally, we need to get out of ourselves. Pretty well every sin is, is helped by that. If we just help other people and forget our own selves. You know, when we're down in the dumps, go and help someone else. And when we think of our own, when we implode into our own egos, let's get out and help someone. So water extinguishes a blazing fire. So almsgiving atones for sin. It just puts it out like water puts out a fire. We've got lots of sins to get put out, and the best way to do it, the water that puts out the fire of sin, is help someone else. Like almsgiving could be writing a check, you know, to share life or something. I highly recommend it because it helps, helps a lot of people. But almsgiving, I think we have to get beyond simply writing a check. It's giving to others. Getting out of ourselves is the contrary, the virtue that is contrary to the vice of ego and pride. Whoever repays favors gives thought to the future. That's a pretty astute line. You know, repay a favor, help to repay a favor. If you are helped and you don't respond to it, 
You're not thinking about the future because the other person will think about that. Who is this cheap person who didn't rip? So whoever repays favor gives thought to the future. There's a lot of nitty gritty wisdom in this book. At the moment of his falling, he will find support. Let's recognize our need for others, be thankful to others for what, how they help us. And then in the future, when we surely will be falling, we'll, they will re remember when we helped them and we repaid their favor and they will help us again. Very astute. And astuteness is not a bad thing in this difficult world in which we live. Pretty good thing to have a, you know, a kind of a thoughtful mind. It sure is better than the alternative. So, for a man's glory comes from honoring his father. And it is a disgrace for children not to respect their mother. Oh, son, help your father in his old age and do not grieve him as long as he lives. Even if he is lacking in understanding, show forbearance. Do not despise him all the days of his life. For kindness to a father will not be forgotten. And against your sins, it will be credited to you, a house raised in justice to you. In the day of your affliction, it will be remembered in your favor as frost in fair weather, your sins will melt away. Whoever forsakes his father is like a blasphemer and whoever angers his mother is cursed by the Lord. My son, Perform your tasks in meekness, and then you will be loved more than a giver of gifts. The greater you are, the more you must humble yourself, so you will find favor with God. There are many who are noble and renowned, but it is to the humble that he reveals his mysteries. For great is the might of the Lord, he is glorified by the humble. Seek not what is too difficult for you, nor investigate what is beyond your power. Reflect upon what has been assigned to you, and do not be curious about many of his works, for you do not need to see with your eyes what is hidden. Do not meddle in what is beyond your tasks, for matters too great for human understanding have been shown you for their hasty judgment has led many astray and wrong opinion has caused their thoughts to slip. A stubborn mind will be afflicted at the end and whoever loves danger will perish by it. A stubborn mind will be burdened by troubles and the sinner will heap sin upon sin the affliction of the proud has no healing. For a plant of wickedness has been taken root in them, though it will not be perceived. The mind of the wise man will ponder the words of the wise, and an attentive ear is the wise man's desire. Water extinguishes a blazing fire, so almsgiving atones for sin. Whoever repays favors gives thought to the future. At the moment of his falling, he will find support.
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end, amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. <laughs>